Sit down, buckle up, and turn the volume to 11. This is the Auto Action Rev Limiter with Auto Action's Bruce Williams and Paul Gover, and your host, Andrew Clark. Welcome to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. I'm Andrew Clark, and I'm going to guide you through this show with Paul Gover and Bruce Williams. But first, let's look at what happened over the weekend. And for Australian motorsport fans, all our eyes were on Indianapolis Motor Speedway for Shane Van Gisbergen's return to NASCAR and Brody Kostecki's debut in the Cup Series. We'll break that down for you later. We also had a round of the Speed Series at Queensland Raceway, where Will Brown won the weekend in the TCR, and Tom Heyman cleaned up in the Transams. But out at Calder, we had the sound of NASCAR. And if you've been around to the end of the show, you can hear that sound when Bruce Williams chats with Rodney James. With that, welcome Bruce and PG. Uh, good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, Paul and uh, Andrew. Uh, good evening, viewers. <laughs> and uh, can I just ask a quick question? It's something that's troubled me. Given that I'm the actual star of the show, how come <laughs> Gover gets introduced before me? I swap it around from show to show. Oh, do you? Yeah, so have you not noticed that? Barry from no. the mountains said, why do you get left till last? I said, I don't know. I don't really care. But anyway, let's move on. Well, poor old Barry from Blue Mountains clearly doesn't listen enough. Fair anyway, enough. so Bruce, you were out at Calder Park on the weekend. Um, bring back memories for you. Uh, it was quite. Uh, it was quite amazing, actually. As we said, uh, we, well, I think we first um, broke the story, talked about the fact that Calder was coming back in in October last year. We did a feature interview with uh, Rodney Jane and and Kim Jane, and. Um, yeah, that, that sort of process started in uh, early October last year and they've been chipping away. They put uh, Rowan Harmon, who's been around the sport for a long time, in um, in out there to sort of clean it up and they've been chipping away. You know, if you'd, if you'd been a regular visitor to Calder or you hadn't been out there for 12 months, if you rocked up there on uh, Sunday, then you would have seen some significant changes to the place. It was, well, it's still not a... You know, you wouldn't say it's a, a, a diamond glistening in the sun. It's it's certainly a big change in what it's been. Instead of it decaying, it's actually getting better. So what surprised me was to, um, obviously, to hear and see the NASCARs, but to hear the plan to actually run them on the Thunderdome again, to race NASCAR on the Thunderdome. I thought the, it was in disrepair and couldn't be done. So obviously they've, um, they've, they've pulled out all stops. Well, it's interesting that... I mean, there's a lot of excitement around the Thunderdome and, and that's a very long-term plan, as Rodney talks about. But the real focus on the rejuvenation of Calder is for it to return to um, to circuit racing using the traditional race circuit. They haven't had a circuit race meeting out there since 2008. So this is nearly 15 years since they last raced out there. Um, they got a uh, ASA club meeting licence and uh, they've had numerous track inspections from Motorsport Australia, which Rodney talks about. They um, And they're in the final process of getting their Grade 3 Motorsport Australia licence. And, um, you know, they've got a Victorian State Race round coming up uh, later in October. And then they've got a an AMRS um, national round in, um, I think it's early December. So they're gearing up. Bruce, did you get to do laps? Did you actually drive around the circuit yourself? No, no, no. I was uh, purely out there as a an interested spectator and basically to, I think, to, to offer some support and just to be there to witness it because for many people, and uh, it was interesting, you know, there were people there who had took their kids out, people that had been out there as spectators in the in the halcyon days of the Thunderdome when NASCAR and Oscars were blazing around there. And there were there were people who would have been quite young themselves who had their young kids out there and you know there was hundreds of people leaning on the leaning over the fence watching the cars and, and the Thunderdome they were only doing demonstration. They had about I don't know, about twenty cars out there, a mixture of mostly of NASCARs and some sports trucks and a few Oz cars. But you forget how loud they were, even with these cars rolling around at probably thirty percent of their capable speed, the noise was still quite horrendous. And you know, Rodney was out there with his young family, and um, there were lots of people. There was there was a lot of I have to admit there was a lot of emotion in the air. It was um, it was quite good, and you know it, it, there's a lot of people that um, want to see the return. It's probably the right time to talk about it because there's obviously a huge interest in what uh, SVG is doing in NASCAR and uh, Kostecki's uh, trip over there. So there's a lot of people interested. 
But again, the focus right now is on returning the circuit racing and getting its uh, grade three license. And despite what the uh, negative Nellies out there say, that once they got a grade three license, which is the same as what Bathurst has, um, they can hold some fairly significant major events. Awesome. Well, you can hear the full interview. It goes for about six minutes and it runs at the end of this show. So uh, if you want to hear the sound of NASCAR and you want to hear the uh, hear what Rodney Jane has to say right from the horse's mouth, uh, tune in for a little bit later. I want to touch on the driver's seat, Bruce. Um, we get a bit of a mention last week, um, maybe a bit of a whack, but a bit of a mention. But the best thing was they sent some listeners our way. So we thought we'd sit down today and say, go and have a listen to the driver's seat uh, viewers. And, uh, and have a crack at that, and uh, we'll send some of our listeners back to them. Look, the guys on the driver's seat, to their credit, I think it was more about uh, a comment that uh, former uh, podcaster, you know, producer of ours, uh, Neville Wilkinson, had to say. He didn't really give us a clip, but um, <laughs> to their credit, um, you know, that's Stevie Johnson's on there. Um, they've been around for a long time. I mean, they have it up on – they have it over every other – motorsport podcast in the scene because they're actually on live radio so you know they their, their radio shows then uh, put up as a podcast this is not an apology they didn't have a go at me they didn't have a go at you nor you pg so um they they, they directed people to come and listen to us so hopefully some of those people that came to listen are still listening but um no hello, good on- driver's seat people hello and uh, at the end of the day they've uh, they've been doing that show and uh you know there's um uh, Stevie Johnson and uh, Minzy and um, Matt McKeldin, I think, is the other guy that pretty much has run it. So good on him. And um, yeah, so uh, yeah, all a bit it was, of fun, yeah. isn't it? All a bit of fun. All a bit of fun, but yeah, no, we oh. haven't we haven't ever given them a whack. But uh, thanks for thanks for the uh, promotion, boys. It was great. I know. And speaking of fun, someone else was claiming a million downloads on their podcast this year. Um, yet according to Chartable, we're in front of them, so uh, we must have a lot of listeners. We must have at least we must have at least twenty million. <laughs> anyway, enough of that bullshit. Um, enough of that. One thing we'll I, have a break. One thing I did want to touch on we 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 had a book section segment uh, a couple of episodes ago. Um, we got a lot of inquiries about that. People went into the bookshops looking for that particular <laughs> book and couldn't find it. So look, I'm going to have to back off on the book uh, reviews uh, in the short term. Um, uh, but don't worry, viewers, we'll find a book to talk about at some time soon. So if there's anybody out there that wants us to give their book a plug, feel free to send us a couple of copies and we'll have a look. Yeah. But anyway, we need to get back to the motorsport because that's basically what this is about. And, uh, yeah, you, we've got some news. Most importantly, though, we've got to have a quick break because we need to hear from AC Delco. And um, that's an excellent point, those nice people at AC Delco. Hi, Craig Lowndes here. On the track, success is all about teamwork. On the road, I rely on the team at AC Delco. AC Delco batteries have a wide range to suit cars, SUVs and 4x4s, light commercials and trucks, even boats, caravans, forklifts, agricultural and generators. And AC Delco batteries are designed to exceed the demands of the modern stop-start engine requirements. So check your battery and ask, is it AC Delco? Because certainty starts here. All right, we're back at the Rev Limiter. Um, we're going to start out with a few things. We're going to well, roll our way through some news in this um, in this off-print edition weekend. First of all, NASCAR. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen, he finished 10th on the road course and 19th in the truck series race, which was his oval track debut. Uh, Brody Kostecki got a 22nd in the race, which wasn't too bad considering he started on the back of the 39-car grid. So uh, let's start with Brody because I think that's the easiest one for us to dissect. Um yeah, talk about the car trouble. Who was on top of the car trouble, Bruce or PG? Uh, um, basically what happened, Brady was reasonably solid. He, I think he ultimately qualified 11th, but yep. uh, during his qualifying run, he, he had a fairly significant crash. And um, I might be wrong. I'm not sure if they changed the actual chassis or they changed significant number of components. But basically, he lined up on the grid at 11th, but on the roll around lap, he took up his position at the back of the field and... Uh, you know, he was reasonably solid, but he made three pit stops, I think, during the race, and they had some sort of mechanical drama. And like SVG, he probably lost out to the fact, like quite a few people did with their strategies, that there wasn't a safety car. Because unlike uh, unlike uh, the uh, racing here, you know, uh, there was a there was a fairly big whack on the um, second lap of the the start of the race, which tore down about fifty meters of. Uh, 
tyres and uh, rubber barrier and what have you, and the bloke selected reverse, trucked off down the race and kept on going. As I may have mentioned in the past, if it had been a supercar, there would have been rescue crews and fire brigades and, yes, Paul? Well, funny you should mention that because I had a telephone call over the weekend from somebody whose initials are Roland Dane, and he said, <laughs> what about how weak that Brody Kostecki car was? He barely touched the wall. If that had been a supercar, it would have been fine. So there you go. <laughs> is he on? Is he stopped taking his medication? <laughs> right, get, back on, get back on the pills, mate, because I'm sorry. If, I'm sorry, mate, but if that... Uh, if that bloke that had um, hit the tyres at the when he got pushed off the road had been in a in a Gen three car, they'd still be looking for most of it. No, it no, he, he was talking about Brody's crash. But the other thing about it is, remember, Brody was doing about one hundred and forty miles an hour when he tagged the wall. It wasn't just you know, it didn't, it, it wasn't just you know, back at back at Call the Park yeah. touching one of the concrete walls under the pit straight or anything. It was a fairly significant shit, shit. So at the end of the day, I think what's important is that, and we sort of touched on this, there was a massive expectation, and the Americans thought so as well, that SVG was going to clean them up. This is a very different event. Chicago, as we touched on, Sean had a huge advantage. He went over there and basically ambushed them because, A, they didn't know how good he was, and, B, um, none of them had been on the track before, and they hadn't driven on a, on a street circuit. So he had an advantage. He was fast in in uh, in uh, Indianapolis. There's no arguments about that. In fact, he ran at the same speed as what the, the race winners were on faster during time, various times of the race. But the reality is that there's a lot of serious drivers in um, in NASCAR. They'd been on that course before. Um, and, you know, it was a different scenario. And, uh, you know, that's uh, – I think that at the end of the day, it was a good good effort. Yeah, so rounding out Brody, like Brody started the weekend with some car trouble, so he only got two practice laps before qualifying, which I think makes that eleventh spot even more impressive. That yeah, you've done that on the back of two practice laps, so a uh, bit of a troubled debut for Brody, but um, I thought he showed up all right. Uh, as I say, going from thirty ninth to twenty twenty second is pretty good, I think. Now Shane on the oval, uh, he said he had fun. No one really expected him to win or even finish top ten. I don't think on the oval. Um, that car that he's driving has barely finished anywhere all year. So it's not like it's a very good car. So, um, Bruce, uh, sorry, PG, what's your take on uh, on the oval for Shane? Look, I think he made the smart decision. He didn't try to get carried away. But it was interesting, the stuff he was talking about. You know, we all think, oh, you know, turn left, lift off. You know, Bruce, you've been on the Thunderdome, so you know how to do it. I've done some other silly stuff. But he was talking about the fact that, you know, he's got a left rear brake blank thing, this, and fiddling with this, and all of those. There's a whole lot of stuff you could stuff, in inverted commas, you can do apparently in the cabin of these things. But he said every lap he drove, he was learning something. So, and this is typical of Shane. You know, like, okay, I don't have anybody to race right now. Let's try some other stuff. The interesting thing about it is that, uh, yeah, he, like you said, Andrew, that car hasn't been spectacular. So, um but what's different about that uh, that event was the fact that it was on a, a, a third mile oval, but with very little banking. In fact, that's probably a harder track. That was very much like what Oscars and NASCARs raced on in Adelaide. Adelaide. That's what I was going to say. It's a bit like the the you know the Adelaide Oval, isn't it? It's very flat. I mean, Adelaide's a bit shorter than that, but yeah, and, and they're quite hard to drive on. They're not easy. Um, yeah, no, and and that's a pretty slick surface too. Those of you that might have seen it noticed there was lots of cracks in it that they'd sealed up with tar. But you know, he started, I think, in twenty fourth, and at one stage he was running, you know, fourteenth or fifteenth. But again, the NASCAR Truck Series is a pretty serious um, category. There's lots and lots of young, really aggressive up-and-comers uh, in it and a lot of seasoned guys that are in it as well. So his idea was, and he wasn't going to learn anything if he crashed out on the 10th lap, you know, racing people, but he brought the car back without a mark on it. He um, he was not far off staying on the lead lap um, and he raced really clean. At one stage, he was sort of three wide and he, he got into it. He did a really good job. And what was more interesting was the absolute fascination that the Americans the NASCAR commentators and the the commentary team have for him. I mean, they talked to talked about him. You know, every probably ten or fifteen laps, they put a report on where he was. They yeah. they talked endlessly about him. There's a genuine fascination with SVG at the moment. And um, look, 
he certainly would have come away from that event. People would have said, yep, solid result. You sure they weren't just doing that to prove they knew how to say his name now? <laughs> no, because... They kept still... calling him SVG still. <laughs> yeah, there's still a few people. I mean, there's, it's quite amusing talking about his name. Uh, um, he... <laughs> There's a heap of them over there that think he's, that Van is actually his middle name. So they call him Shane Gisbergen. The Van is like his middle name. And they, because they get a bit confused about some of that stuff. The, I mean, let's be brutally honest. The Americans have never been any good with the English language, let alone other people's languages. Well, the Kiwis aren't that crash hot either. But I remember talking to the, the Americans over there, Gisbergen. They're going, Gisbergen? There's yeah. no chance yeah. at all of getting a head around it. Sounds like cheeseburger. <laughs> so anyway, um, anyway, he had a busy schedule. He rocked up after, so he would have been satisfied. He was really pleased. He had a great smile on his face. You know, this is not Shane from Supercars. This is Shane from New Zealand in America having a grand time. And then <laughs> he, he trucked off back to uh, Indianapolis, and uh, you know he um, he did a uh, he did a great job in practice and was solid in qualifying, and. Um, yeah, you know, off he went. But again, they love him over there. They do, don't they? And a bit of rubbing, which was good to see. Um, you know, touched a couple of people, and uh, this whole thing where you know the NASCAR drivers, you know, there's none of this buddy Craig Baird jumping in and giving him pit lane penalties or whatever. It's like, you know, I'm going to get that car number twelve was set at one stage, and you know, I'm going to put him in the wall. You know, this is this is NASCAR racing. Go PG. And and, and there's no blue flags, and you know, these blokes tear the barriers down, and nothing happens. They just press on. The other thing I like about it is they never talk about the driver's name. It's always, the 12 did this or the 14 did that. Like, they don't actually rubbish the bloke, even though they know <laughs> it is a bloke. That, that's, that's I think that's a really good thing that they could have in. So, you know, there's the, the, the owners own the numbers, and that's why there's been so many, you know, the numbers stay with the owners. For example, uh, Mark Ambrose drove for the 43 for a while. So that's why they have... Um, various different drivers, and uh, yeah, so it's it's good good fun. Yeah, and it's why Project Ninety One is number ninety one, isn't it? Yeah, that's exactly right. But um, getting back to uh, the pushing and shoving, um, this, you know, I wanted to say again, you know, there's a fascination with Van Gisberg, and the NASCAR put a big effort together to get a whole heap of international stars in there. So you had, um, so you had some. Uh, Jensen Button and you had uh, a few other people in there, obviously Kubicki and, and Van, yeah, and Van Gisbergen. Um, but again, they interviewed Shane before the race. They crossed to him on the roll around lap and had a chat to him, um, and he was one of the handful of people that got interviewed after the race. So there's a genuine interest. You know, it got pretty pushy in the first couple of laps for him. I think he went into into turn one maybe a bit hard or got put a little bit of push. There was a bit of push and shove and a, a bit of biffo. And, um, yeah, I mean, he ra- as I said, he raced with, you know, the front, the top ten guys, guys that run road course races before. And he had a sticking throttle linkage and he had a few little issues. So, you know, the strategy probably didn't play out for them. They pitted late, which would have meant, you know, they had good tyres towards the end, but it never happened. Yeah, so 10th place, I think, is a pretty good outcome for that weekend. It's Obviously, it's, as PG said, it's not the perfect storm that Chicago was for him. He said they're racing against people who've done that track before. Um, you touched on the blue flags before. I think it is sensational not having blue flags. Like, make them race, make them earn it. Like, this thing of people just jumping out of your way, I mean, it's bullshit. I loved watching them having to having to judge it and having to work it out. Like, how am I going to get past this bloke? And, uh, and, and I thought it was great. And I don't know if you noticed or not, but uh, during the commentary, they were listening to the uh, to the to the team's radios, and the spotters, which play an enormous amount of uh, uh, an enormous part in the racing strategy. Apparently, the spotters were having a bit of a blue in the spotters box yeah. with each other, telling uh, one telling the the other drivers spotter to get the car out, tell them to move over. Yeah, they go and negotiate with each other. You know, you, you, you yeah, and these <laughs> are crazy hamburgers. These are guys that are being lapped, so it's. Um, yeah. But anyway, look, it's all good. And uh, yeah, no, it was interesting. But there's a massive amount of uh, massive amount of interest, and um, yeah, it's it's. Um, it'll be it'll... interesting to see what the uh, TV ratings are, what Foxtel tells us about the ratings, because I think they're going to be through the roof. Um, and we know that we saw a 33 percent uptake in supercars in the states, and uh, this cross pollination, it's a good thing. 
Well, um, what we also know is that Van Gisbergen will run the Cup Series next year with Trackhouse. Um, they've, they've made that statement. They've been quite clear about that. Um, they expect him to do some other races. So whether it's Cup, uh, whether it's Craftsman Truck or whether it's the uh, Xfinity, he will do other races as well to fast track himself. Um, and the interesting thing about it is the charter. So you, you, you can run without a charter. You just can't get points to run for the championship. So they're not worried too much about it, about putting him out on the track. So they think it's possible without a charter. Yeah, look, they can. They can. It's one of those things where, unlike supercars, you can show up and try and qualify to get in. They have a minimum or maximum numbers of cars at each event. And uh, if you uh, rock up and qualify or whatever, then uh, you can get a start. Yeah, absolutely. What, PG, what are those cars called? The park and, park and something or others? The guys who will turn up, qualify with no intention of driving in the race and go around and just get their start money. That used to be happening <laughs> for a while there. Bruce could have done that. I, I don't you think could have that, your Oscar. I don't think that's a thing anymore. I can remember going to um, Charlotte with Charlie O'Brien when he tried to qualify actually two events, Sonoma and uh, Charlotte, and uh, there was no roll up and uh, get some start money. He was one of about half a dozen people that went home very disappointed. Yeah, it's all right. Well, let's shut down the NASCAR. I mean, another good weekend. Uh, I think, you know, we'll see a few more Aussies going over there, especially if you hear the rumours about what some people are saying for 2025 and some bloke driving a monster car in Australia. Um, so we will get on to supercars now. And, and I want to start with um, some some rumours that Bruce spoke to me about over the weekend, that the Shaheens are buying supercars. Are they really? Well... I did have a chat with our very, very good friend Barks uh, over the course of the weekend, and in fact, again today, and I suggested to him, I said, Barks, um, is there any truth in the room? He goes, not 200% absolute bullshit. In fact, I know that uh, he got involved in a um, conversation with uh, Sam, a pretty short one, and uh, and then during the course of that conversation or after that conversation, he got tangled up with one of our one of our own operatives on the podcast <laughs> sending a text to somebody else. <laughs> well, well, Barks actually rang me and carried on, and then I eventually said to him, do you want Paul Gover or Paul Glover, who's the PR man for Supergoes? No, I wanted you, I wanted And he had no idea he was talking to a journo and not his own PR man. So, Barks, anytime you want to ring up and tell me top secret stuff, thinking it's the other bloke, that's just fine. I think that'll be great, and we can help you out, Barks. So right. apparently the rumour started, and, and look, I was pretty upfront with Barks because the last time I asked him whether or not supercars was for sale, he, uh, he, 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 uh, he and I got tangled up in a rather long and interesting exchange of text messages and we ended up blowing the story up. Was it the bend last year as well? That was all blowing up. Bend. When one of the, uh, at the time, uh, senior supercar team owners tried to have me escorted off the property, after that story and auto action, but I had a VIP guest pass because at the courtesy of Sam Shaheen, and uh, so there was no way no, and I was going anywhere. But um, anyway, look, he tells me it's not happening. Um, apparently, Sam made an off the cuff comment uh, during an event and and said, "Yeah, sure, you know, blah blah blah, might be something." And of course, there'd be no shortage of money around the Shaheen family after their recent sale of all their on-the-run uh, businesses and uh, what have you. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, there's lots going on, but he says not. And, of course, uh, while Barclay um, tells me all that stuff and bits and pieces, yes, Paul? Well, I just think it's wonderful that we've got something else to talk about, um, you know, <laughs> other than who's going where in, in musical seats land and, and when oh. Shane's actually going to announce everything. Yeah, we could so be next three days talking about who's driving where next year, couldn't we? Well, so that's exactly what we're going to do now, PG. So you've actually led into this thing. So we're going to play a little game here, and um, we're not going to actually say what we've heard because I think everybody's heard all the things. They're all rolling around. What I want to hear from you is what would you do if you were running this team? Now, hang on. We haven't touched on the fact that despite the fact that it was denied, it ended up being oh. that Will Brown has uh, definitely confirmed he's not going to be at Erebus next next week. Absolutely. Is- and um, we're expecting we're expecting an announcement from Triple Eight this weekend that um, that they've signed him up. So let's see right. what happens. With which leaves uh, Barry from Dandenong South a little perplexed. Are we going to start off with him from the? We are starting with him. So what would you do to replace Will Brown, PG? 
I'd put in Jack LeBrock. Oh, come on. <laughs> well, that's, that's somebody rang me up today and told me that's what was happening. It was my idea, Paul. Now, you know, don't try and steal my stuff. So anyway, the hot chat is, now, out of respect, unlike a lot of other people, because there are people's livelihoods involved and negotiations to be done, but the chat is probably be confirmed at some stage, but the chat out there amongst motorsport media land is that, that Jack LeBrock would possibly be there. Now, I don't know whether he's whether that's a, a thing that he's able to do and... Um, uh, there's, you know, Matty Stone's got a, a situation. So, that you know, there's lots of delicate stuff to go on there. Jack LeBrock is out of contract. So, um... okay. so my, my point is, and, and we, we've all agreed, I've actually, I think I might have mentioned this at Newcastle, I love his new look. I love that real arsehole look that he's got going with the shaved head and the beard. I actually did tell him <laughs> that, Darwin. Um, and let's face it, he's won a race this year and he's been fast all year and I think that he's probably at the right age now. He's been around a while. He's gone through the school of hard knocks. He's had some, you know, he's sort of been in in teams that maybe haven't loved him um, or whatever. And, yeah, maybe the time's right. He might be the right sort of guy to go in there and uh, work work with Erebus. So he'd be, I don't think he's a a good good choice if they go with it. So if you weren't going to do Jack LeBrock, what would be your other option? Um, Well, I'm reliably informed um that I think the idea of them putting a young kid in the car is probably not going to suit them. I think I've been through that with and when I say young kid, I mean Will and, and uh Brody aren't aren't juniors, but they were both so talking like a Cooper Murray type which people are tossing up. Well, we're talking about a seasoned racer, somebody who's got lots of experience, who doesn't have to be manhandled and babied and, you know, isn't going to get pushed around. So I, you know, there's probably a couple of guys in the pit lane that they might target, but uh, who knows? But I, I think that they're likely to want to go with somebody who they think can win them races. All right, we'll move on from um, Erebus because we think that's um, that's what's going to happen there anyway. It certainly looks like it. Triple Eight. So we know they're targeting Will Brown, and we're expecting a Will Brown announcement. But is that what you would have done, PG? I would have gone with Brody. On the base, because everybody said to me, "Oh no, no, but Brody, you know, he's he's going to go to America." Well, he might, but based on the other day, and and you know, he's still at the early stages. I still reckon he's got another year in supercars in with him. Uh, and the other thing is, who who realistically is going to win the championship? Now, the guy who's going to win the championship this year for me is whoever wins Bathurst. Now. Would you put your money on Will or Brody and their respective co-drivers to win at Bathurst? And so for mine, I would have gone for um, I would have gone for Brody, even though again my good friend RD says that you know <laughs> Erebus Triple uh, Eight is not into short-term strategy. They like to have long long-term strategies, but you know uh, got a lot of good people are going to be around at the back end of next year. So maybe I, I would have gone with. I would have gone with with uh, Brody for a one year. And Bruce, we, your option? Well, if we're talking hypothetically, if you said, okay, who's the guy to rep- or who are the people to replace um, SVG at Triple Eight? I don't think you you know who's capable of delivering them a championship. There's two obvious guys, and it's Chas Moffat and and uh, Cam Ward. But both of those guys are locked into contracts. I believe Cam's just recently renewed for another year. Um, but, I mean, they would be the two guys. If you said right now, who's capable of winning a championship if they're in a Camaro? Because right now they ain't going to win it in a, in a four. Um, so you you would say those are the two guys who really are capable. I think both Brody and Will um, are probably are capable as well, and I think one of them will probably be the champion at, at this year. So but I would have thought that um, Triple Eight would be backing Brock Feeney to be a championship winner. So what they need is somebody who's not necessarily going to win next year, but is somebody who's going to come on strong. So, you know, should they be looking a little bit more junior? I mean, is Brock Feeney good enough to do that under um, under Jamie Wincup's guidance? I think Brock is capable of being a champion eventually. He could, as you say, could win it this year. Um, but I don't think that Triple Eight are in the business of blooding, you know, the, Brock might win the championship, but he's not a, you know, if, if you plucked out Shane Van Gisbergen out of that team and you've got to, you've got to understand you've got two guys, one Jamie Winkup, who's the team principal, if you like, he's also 
the greatest ever supercar driver. So he's a lot of information and knowledge, and there's no doubt that he's been nurturing Brock. And you've got Shane there as well. So from the dynamic of having a a person or people around you to help you win a championship, it probably doesn't get a lot better. Um, so, But I don't think Brock has the ability to do that and help that a y- another young person come along. I don't think he has the you know, the experience to be able to do it. So, you know, that's that's where I, that's what I think. That's what you call a bus driver, Bruce. So I was talking <laughs> to Jess Dane a while ago, just talking about drivers moving around and all that stuff, and she calls it a bus driver. It's somebody who can get everybody on board, all sitting down, all paying attention, and all going in the same direction. And when you think about it, there aren't too many bus drivers in the, uh, in the supercars pit lane with a helmet. Yeah, there certainly are. But let's move on from there because we um, we're pretty sure they're going with Will Brown. So there's not too much for us to talk about. I'm gonna we're going down in championship order, by the way. So Brad Jones Racing, they've got four cars. I don't think we're going to see any changes there. Do you? Uh, not, not in the short term. I think uh, the two guys in the right hand side of the shed, as you look at it from the pit lane, are doing a very good job. Andre is doing a great job, and. Um, uh, Bryce. Bryce Forward's doing a great job as well. Um, the other two young guys in in Smith and Jones are um, they're going all right. They're, they're where they sort of could be, should be, maybe. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, Jack comes with his fa- family support and uh, a reasonable that budget. Helps, doesn't it? It? Fun. That helps. It does help, and uh, you know, it, 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 Jack he'll be around until they decide that. Um, they don't want to be part of it anymore. So that that's how that works. Uh, team 18, um, we know Frosty's staying. Scott Pye's gone. Um, Dave Reynolds is the hot tip there. Is that what you would do? No, I wouldn't do that. If Why? there are if there, if there is some turmoil at Tickford, um, and we're hearing there is, maybe you'd pluck, I don't know, Tom Randall out of there, young Thomas try and go in a different direction because at the moment that team's going up and down on the spot and what they need to do is energise it because Frosty, with the best one in the world, is not going to be any better next year. Um, so And he'll be doing the sponsory stuff and all, the, all of that stuff, which is his future with the team. And, and, and probably he'll end up being the team manager there with Charlie as the chairman above him. So I'd be looking to get a, 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 a mid-grid sort of guy, like a guy who's still got upside in him, can has shown speed, blah, blah, blah. Maybe Thomas Randall's a good pick. Hmm. Bruce? Um, oh, look, the chatter is that that's where Dave's going. Um, you know, who knows? If he goes there, he might be taking the pen right money. So for Charlie, it might be a little bit of added top sponsorship, top up. Who knows? Um, look, Davey on a good day is still – a very, very capable racer. Um, he does have a bit of X factor about him. He can be a bit of a bit of a larrikin, you know, whatever. Um, so, he, look, unfortunately, I don't think Scott has delivered much. He hasn't done anything exciting. He's in a Camaro. He hasn't really looked unlike, say, um, Jack LeBrock or um, his teammate. That hasn't looked like he's going to come close to winning a race. So... You know, if Scott's gone, then, um, yeah, I mean, Davey might be the bloke to replace him. Yeah, well, we're certainly hearing that's the that's the word on the street or word in pit lane. Uh, Walkinshaw and Andretti United. Um, Bruce Stewart said Chaz Mostert's going nowhere, and we um, that's what we expect. But um, Nick Perkett's clearly going somewhere. Um, are you putting Fabian Coulthard in that seat, PG? I would definitely not put Fabian Coulthard in that seat. Um, <laughs> everybody, you know, like... Everybody has a use-by date. He's a lovely bloke and all that, but um, no, I wouldn't put him in that seat. Um, and I'm hearing they're taking a very serious look at their Super 2 guy, um, looking to grow some some more talent and, and take a risk on somebody. And that makes sense, doesn't it, that you know, Ryan Wood, who's running the Super 2 car, I mean, what's the point of doing Super 2 if you're not going to start bringing him through? Isn't that the whole point of it, Bruce? Yeah, look, that they're a big rap for uh, Wood, so... Um, if he continues to deliver, um, you know, uh, they're better off to have a, a kid in there that they can groom and train and have a long-term plan for. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, that's probably a sensible way for them to go. 
Well, the dream of the oh, sorry, we missed the team, which we'll come back to in a second. I'm not very good on the championship order, are we? Um, the rumor is that um, Cam Waters is not hanging around in supercars after a couple of years, so you know, waiting around for him is not really going to happen. So I think Ryan Wood's the better choice to me to um, to bank something for your future. But does yeah? But the thing about it is, does Cam Waters have a future in America? Which I know he wants to go over there and race, but is he going to crack it? You know, he doesn't have the same sort of background as the other two blokes. It's a completely new thing for him. Um, you know, it, it's a, like Chazzy Mostert. He'll get GT drives all over the place if he wants them. But Cam is not proven in other categories. I haven't seen him <clears throat> running at the front of a GT car or any of that stuff. Yeah, okay, he's doing sprint car racing, but he's been very much a supercar's uh, creation from the earliest stage. Yeah, yeah, so he needs to dip his toe in the other water. Um, that brings me back to Tickford, who I skipped. Um, obviously, Cam Waters is there next year, and he's still under contract for 2025 too, by the way. If they drop from four to two, which means we're getting rid of Tom Randall or James Courtney or um, Declan Fraser, what are you doing? Which one are you keeping, or are you getting rid of all three and going some other direction, Bruce? Um, well, obviously, you keep Cam. Cam's the, the, the nucleus of it. I Look... <clears throat> A lot of it, I suppose, is is sponsor related. Does Castrol bring more money to the team than um, the people that that sponsor James's car? Um, you know, James, as I said last week, James has still got plenty of good racing left in him. But uh, I suppose it's a matter of if you're in business and you say to yourself, "Well, okay, we get X amount of dollars for for this guy, and uh, he brings X amount of dollars." but we have to pay him X amount of dollars, then the other guy, like Thomas, would be a pretty cheap cheap driver to, to own, if you like. He probably would be on a pretty base salary. And if Castrol money's real, then maybe that's what you've got to look at. I mean, Declan Fraser's sponsors have um, been with the team for a while, but maybe they blend them all in and keep some of the money. So you're saying it could turn into an auction? Well, not so much an auction, but it comes down to if they if they've got a if they are in fact going to a two car team, which we keep hearing by the industry chatter that they are, then um, and and let's not forget, viewers, this is all part of Supercars' plans. And as we Auto Action said, you know, months ago when everyone else was running around like headless chooks trying to claim the twenty six license was up for grabs, there will only be twenty four licenses pretty shortly. And um, if Tickford is the team that that sells two back to them, then, yeah, I mean, it's going to come down to they look at the data and they say, okay, this bloke's or this person's doing a, the best job on track and we can keep some sponsorship dollars and that's how it's going to be. Yeah, so James Courtney's probably the one who's the most curious one. You know, um, I mean, Tim Edwards said to me last year, you know, we chased him for a long time and we've got him, so we're going to keep him. Um, you know, do you keep him? I mean, he's not doing a bad job, is he, necessarily? But, no, no, um, look, he's really good with sponsors and with crowd and all that sort of stuff. So He's not very good with uh, members of the auto action media, I might mention. He's fine with me and Brute and PG. It's just you he doesn't like. Well, he doesn't know me, so he's not sure why he doesn't like me, but he has uh, – He, <laughs> it's not just me, mate. But anyway, so the point I make is, look, yeah, I know you want to speak, PG, but you're going to have to wait. But the reality <laughs> is that – if he if he's still delivering on the track, which he look, he's had a lot of bad luck this year, you know, car catching fire and all that other stuff, as as says Cam. Um, they, you know, if James is still delivering and he has a got a, he's got a, a decent backer, which I believe he's got a good personal backer, then it might be him that you keep. I would certainly hang on. To, he, like the bloke's got talent to burn. Um, have a look at him. He's fitter. He like he looks fitter now than he ever has done in his whole career. So he's committed to doing the whole thing. Um, I'd hang on to him because the other thing is he's been very good for Cam Waters. Like in the past, James has been involved in some of the toughest rivalries, you know, in the teams he's been in. But he and Cam get along really well. You know, I'm not. I'm not selling him. I'm not saying he's a seller. But the reality is that yeah, look, you might look at at Fraser and. Um, and uh, young Thomas Randall. Thomas is a good steerer. I'm personally disappointed with what Declan Fraser has done this year. He hasn't done much at all, um, apart from maybe look make Jack Smith and a couple of others look good. Sorry about that, but that's the reality. Um, and um, I still think that, um, you know, Zane Goddard, someone should grab Zane Goddard because I still think he 
is a talent. Um, he's a really good guy. He's a he's well spoken. He can obviously steer, and the same thing. You know, he could be somebody that you know the right team grabs him, and maybe he's he's the right fit to go back to Stone Brothers. You know, Maddie's a pretty pragmatic sort of a guy, and uh, maybe uh, maybe um, he could end up there. I I'd have no hesitation in putting him in a car and giving him um, giving him time. And I suppose this this these next couple of races at Sandown and Bathurst, endurance drives with. Um, with um, Craig from the Gold Coast, uh, we'll um, you know get him back up to speed, and we'll see how he how, how he's actually going. All right, we'll get to a James Courtney rumor in a couple of minutes. Um, Dick Johnson Racing, would you change anything there, PG? I'd change everything. We know they're both under contract for next year, but um, you know, what I'd, would you do? I'd, I'd let off a hand grenade in the middle of the garage, try and wag them both up. Um, <laughs> well, you know, they both got talent to burn. And what are they doing this year? You know, like it was interesting to hear the team boss talking at, at Sydney Motorsport Park about the fact that, you know, them being the homologation teams definitely hurt them this year. But the wheels have fallen off well and truly at, on the Shell Mustangs and I, time for a bit of tough love. Um, but, you know, <clears throat> the is it sporting parity or is it mechanical uh, parity? I think if you're a Ford bloke, um, then you you know it's hard to measure them. And let's not forget, um, there's only been two Fords win races this year, and one of them was in a DJR car, and the other one was Cam Waters, who was gifted a win after uh, the blokes that actually won the race got penalised for having a drink bottle in the car. <laughs> Again, I go back to bullshit. Um, so uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's um, it's uh, it's hard to know. I, look. I like Will Davison, you know, um, I think he's still capable of it. My view would be with, with um, DJR, they probably need to um, ramp up their co-drivers. I think they need to do something there. Um, I it's like Tony Alberto, but, you know, they need someone in there who's a bit more aggressive. Maybe t- Look, they, they like Tony. They keep him on board. There must be a reason why they do because he does a good job, I imagine. But well, uh, There is talk that they're going to bring a Super 2 program on so they can start developing some drivers. So I think they're actually starting to think a little bit differently now. Um, we did touch on Matt Stone. Um, we believe Jack LeBrock's on the move. So um, what are you going to do there, guys? Well, I think I mentioned Zane Goddard should, should slot in there. I think Cam Hill... He's done a good job in his rookie in his you know his full time year. He's are they keeping uh, him. Oh, are they keeping him? Are you keeping him? Oh, I definitely keep Cam Hill. I think um, he's done enough in in the junior categories that I've watched him race in. He's a very smart operator when it comes to um, uh, mechanical side of the cars preparation. He understands how cars work. He's got a fantastic uh, network of sponsor supporters. Um, and uh, I think at the end of the day, including Mark Webber's dad, um, <laughs> I think you keep him um, and you looked for, again, there's, there's not that many good guys. It, SVG's been, you know, he's, he's caused, him leaving has caused this domino effect. Yeah. And because of the way it's such a closed shop, there are other people in other categories that you could slot in there. But, you know, at the moment, um, you know, it, it if you look at who's got to come out of Super Two, I just don't know who's there that's 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 really good enough to step up. So Premier, um, chances are they're going to be looking for two new drivers. Um, well, why do you say they might keep Golding? But not. I'm not sure. No, they're not. Hmm? Jimmy Golding will stay. Hmm. Jimmy Golding. So at least you know, like, the one you would suggest. I did talk. I did talk to Peter Zibris about all this. Um, he sees that Golding's got upside still in him. The team is restructuring and changing and moving around. Um, but if I had, I don't know, a dollar for every time one of the team owners said to me at City Motorsport, Eastern Creek, what I want is a race winner. Well, you can't all have a race winner, boys, but that's what they're all looking for. Sometimes you might have to build your own race winner. And, and the reason we can't have a race winner is because the category has been dominated by three or four people for the last 10 years. That's just the reality. You know, a race winner is an odd thing. You know, Cam Waters is a race winner. Um, Shane Van Gisbergen's a race. Brock Feeney's a race winner. But if you take out, you know, a few of the others, um, there's there's not that many there. So are you keeping Tim Slade? No. 
Bruce? I'm a bit ambivalent. 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 <laughs> Sorry, viewers. Big tongue tied tonight. My mouth's a bit dry. That one. My, my mouth's a bit dry. There's no uh, singers in the uh, office today. Um, <laughs> look, I don't know. Premier's a strange one. They started out, and it might be because they got good cars from Triple Eight ready to go. They started out with a bit of a flash. They were fast in Newcastle. Everybody was pretty excited about where they were. They were good down in Simmons Plains. Um, they've had sort of moments of brilliance, but they've sort of trailed off a bit lately. So, again, is that the car? There's been a bit of movement in the team, team management sort of issues. So, you know, it's a bit hard to tell. I personally, you know, I think a lot of these guys are still finding their feet with with the way they go. Tim's an interesting guy. He's quite promotable and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, he's, he's a journeyman. He's been around a while. He's been with quite a few teams. Uh, I think you, you need a bit of edge, I think. So, um, yeah, I think you've got to find somebody who you reckon can, I think the words, can shake it up. I think the word's mongrel, Andrew. Mongrel, yes. You know, there's, there's, there's some very, very nice blokes out there in uh, supercar driver's land, but not enough arseholes. And, um, <laughs> and we're about to lose And we're about to lose one. Well, well <laughs> you know, this, is one of the great, this is one of the great things. We're about to lose one. Having said that, uh, Jack, you wouldn't know that the bloke who we know out here is the same bloke that races in America because he's got a smile on his face. He's got the most warm and bubbly persona and random journos walk up and throw microphones and he starts chatting. It's the complete opposite. Yes, but as I said last time when we brought this up, he's doing a job interview. Yeah. He's actually been there for a whole year and see yeah, how exactly. it goes. Um, now, the Groves, they've dropped from fifth in the championship to second last. Um what are they going to do? I mean, we know Matt Payne is there for a long time. I mean, he's probably there forever. Um, we've heard James Courtney's name tossed up today, I heard. Uh, would you do it? And what, what are you going to do in there? I mean, you're replacing Dave Reynolds. What are you going to do? Well, I'd like to know why they're replacing Dave Reynolds. I heard if he did a one-year deal, apparently, and he didn't want a one-year deal. He wanted a three-year deal. And that's disappointing for him and for them. That smacks of what they did with... Um, Lee Holdsworth, that sounds to me like a contract of convenience for them. Yep. You know, they've obviously got somebody else they want to pluck out there. They've got a couple of young kids in the background that they support. So, you know, if Davey Reynolds still sees himself as a race winner, and let's not forget this bloke um, has won Bathurst, nearly won at another occasion. Um, yep. When he's been in a good car, he's a race winner. I'm dubious, and I don't know whether he's still on this um, weird diet that he's been on for a while, <laughs> but, you know, Davey's one of those characters. If he gets his act together and he's in a good car, he could he could turn it around. So, you know, Grove losing Davey might be might be a loss for them. But, look, you don't know. Um, Stephen Grove's an interesting character. He's a very much commercial bloke. Um, he obviously has plans for everything in the future. He's a long-term thinker. And, you know, they've obviously got somebody else in mind that they want to bring in in a year's time. So maybe it's time for Davey. As you said, Davey's moving on. Mm. Yep, probably, more than likely. Um, the Blanchards, we're pretty much going to two cars. I think it's a done deal. Um, what are you going to do with the second car and are you going to keep um, Todd? PG. Uh, Jesus, you've caught PG with a mouthful of lol, all day sucker then, Andrew. You can't well, you see him chewing. Yeah, I, I know, that's why I threw it. I didn't have my hand up to talk. I was trying to have a bit of a break there. Um, yeah, you your hand up and you're putting stuff in your mouth. I need to say something. For those of you who are feeling like the pace of the show slowed down a little bit, um, we've been critical of ourselves for interrupting each other and talking over each other. Yeah, and particularly <laughs> when I, particularly when um, I'm trying to talk over the top of somebody else who's interrupting. So we've introduced a, a series of hand signals now, and the hand signal that I'm giving the other two probably can't be described at the moment, and because uh, Barry had get two years. Long service, uh, sorry, work, uh, work in, you'd get some sort of penalty. Well, you know that emojis can now be used as some um, signatures for contracts, so um, we can take that as a fact. That's yeah, right. like who works in a legal office. Yep, we yeah. ran the article so the other day. Where, where are we going? We're getting back to where, 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 where are we? Are we up? What are we doing with Blanchards? Are we, uh, are we keeping Todd? Well, they've obviously got Lo Lovey uh, pinned in. He's, he's their Super 2 driver, and he's, um, he's obviously driving their wild card. They've obviously got a long-term plan for them. So, look. If, if the story that Tickford is selling up 
you know, I keep being told that Cool Drive want to go to two cars. I mean, they've indicated that um, it's a big step for them budget-wise, but they've already got a car. It makes sense for supercars to let them have it because at the end of the day, one-car teams are just a pain in the bum for them. The yep. logistics of having two cars doesn't cost you twice as much money when you're a Cool Drive um, Blanchard racing team because they've already got a B-double truck that can go to every race meet. So it makes yep. sense for them to do it. I'm um, Todd Hazelwood. Am I keeping Todd? I don't mind Todd. Again, a, a journeyman. He's in a Ford. How do you know how good he's going at the moment? Yeah, yeah and they've had, had a lot of mechanical – they've actually had a lot of mechanical problems. I, 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 yeah. Sorry for interrupting me while I'm talking over the top of you, Paul. Go. It's your turn. <laughs> no, yeah, well, I, right. I have talked to them a number of times this year, and they have had a lot – That because they're not on the TV a lot, you don't hear about when they have a steering rack failure or a hub failure or a bearing failure or whatever, but they have had a lot of that stuff this year. Not their fault. He was blazing around at Townsville and smoke started coming out of the bottom of the car. And, of course, everyone's panicked and he had to pull over. It turns out it was some some tyre rubber trapped in the exhaust system. So they've had some real shockers. And, again, they're driving a Mustang. So how the hell do you know how they're going? Exactly. So let's wind this one up because I'd be keeping him and I'd be putting love in the car. We're going to have a quick chat, like a really quick chat because we bang on a little bit today, about the bend. Um, so last year, Shane Van Gisbergen won all three races, but before that, it was Ford Territory with 10 wins from 13 races. Even Zach Best got a pole last year, and then we had that huge start line crash with Heimgartner and Randall last year. Um, now, on the more stats, because you know I love my numbers, only um, Cam Waters has two wins. Andre Heimgartner and Anton Di Pasquale have one win. No other current-day driver aside from Van Gisbergen has won there. Um, and the same number of drivers have won pole positions. What are we expecting? That full load from turn six to turn 10 is really going to test the Mustang's rear end balance, isn't it, Bruce? Uh, we'll be watching the rear ends all weekend. <laughs> um, you've had a name change, Paul. It's Bruce now, is it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure Andrew asked me then, Paul, but feel free to butt in. It's okay. Uh, he was funnier than you that, that occasion. Look, um, <laughs> The bend's the bend's an interesting place. It's actually got some fairly high speed. There'll be a bit, there's a bit of aero involved, so it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting test. Um, again, they tested the map. They tested a change in a map at um, uh, SMP during the drive day and after the last round. So it'll be interesting to see whether it makes any difference or not. But um, yeah, look at who knows. I think it'll be it'll be pretty hard for anybody in a Mustang to beat the guys in a Chev, but. Stranger things have been known to happen. Maybe there's been some, some architecture updates that we haven't oh, well, been Speaking of winners then, you give me your three winners, PG. Who's going to win the races? And it can be the same person if you want to give me one person. Uh, well, Shane, I think we'll win at least one. But I, um, strangely enough, on the weekend, I ended up having a bit of a talk to Andre Heimgartner out at Norwell. Um, they're running a, a driving event for Motorsport Australia. I reckon he's really pumped to go back there. He likes the place and he sees that Brad Jones Racing is on the up. I'd pick him for at least one win. Cool. And a dark horse? Who's going to do something? We um, Who's going to jump up a bit? Uh, well, if you think about the Mustangs, the two blokes who should be the fastest, which is Cam Waters and, um, and Chazzy, they both have a habit of blowing the tyres off the back of the thing. So maybe... Um, Davison. Excellent. Oh, Brucey, your lights have gone out. What's happening with you? Uh, it's one of the uh, one of these uh, uh, economy saving environments where if you don't move, yeah. which which is crap, I'm moving. Don't okay. worry. So who are your three winners for the weekend? Then? Um, I look. I think SVG is going to be really sh- unless he's fatigued. He's going to come back and think, how good are these supercars to drive? I mean, as much as <laughs> to criticise them over there, how good are these um, supercars to drive? You know, they, they do all the nice things. I mean, if you watched his in-car, the manhandling and the trying to steer them, even coming onto the front straight, it was like in a four-wheel drift. But um, I, I agree with Paul. I think that um, it could be a DJR Mustang bob up there, whether it's um, Anton or Will. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it could be one of those guys do all right. But I still think it's going to come down to um, the four leading Camaros. Andre Heimgardner is a is a is a uh, a good bet though. He mm. was quick there a couple of years ago. He won races when he was at. Um, it's his only well, place he's won a race. Yeah, so he he, he likes the place, and uh, yeah, he could go really well. 
Yeah, I think it's Shane Van Gisbergen territory this weekend, and my dark horse is Cam Waters. You think it was the dark horse? Well, I've thrown in in a whole heap of uh, dark ones. Um, Speaking of the uh, bend as we are, they're getting very, very close to uh, unveiling and opening the the multi-multi-million dollar drag racing facility, which is uh, part of the complex. It's getting very, very close. Their first race is going to be in October, and our... um, a very, very good friends at AC Delco uh, uh, and uh, Morris Fabiati, who um, runs the uh, AC Delco uh, drag racing team, um, they'll be relaunching their Monaro. Obviously, they had a tragedy uh, earlier this year when or when one of their drivers in the Camaro was unfortunately killed, and um, that was a sad event. And they're um, doing some um, doing some stuff out there on uh, Friday, just as a an unveiling of the new of the revitalised Monaro that won the I think it was a 2017 championship. Um, so that'll be uh, that'll be something for the for the fans to look out for. Another nice plug for our friends at AC Delco. Be right up there with seeing the Choir Boys play, won't it? Um, <clears throat> let's have a quick chat about last week's magazine. Was there any fallout from it, Bruce? Um, in what regards, Andrew? Oh, I know. People who like to ring up and complain. You know, what did you get wrong? What did you get right? You know, who's upset? Who's happy? Oh, look, we um, that was last week, Andrew. We've moved on since then. I got a text message from RD over the weekend, so I figured he must have been upset about something we wrote. Did you get a message? Yeah. What did he say to you? He said, am I at Queensland Raceway? I said, no, what would I go there for? <laughs> um. <laughs> No, look, um, there's been a fair bit of uh, interest in the Targa Tasmania stuff. That's obviously uh, touched. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's as we talked about on the podcast. It's there's a lot of stuff going on around about that. There was obviously lots of interest in in what was going on at Calder, and um, yeah, I mean, Barks rang me, and uh, as a matter of interest, I mean to tell you, boys, Barks is off. Uh, he's heading off to uh, on holidays this evening, so he's really? away for three or four weeks. I think he might have indicated to me that he was calling in uh, into the Middle East on his way home to um, sort of <laughs> other things. But um, I think there's a there'll be a fair I think there's a fair bit of uh, stuff happening in the uh, the next week or so around supercars. Uh, obviously, they had their uh, their people went over there, and um, Shane Howard and a couple of the other chaps went over there to uh, Indianapolis to catch up with the uh, NASCAR people and uh, some uh, other. Uh, Heavyweights in the in the motoring industry, so that'll be interesting to find out how that went. And um, yeah, we're interested to see how the parody puzzle. Uh, as I said, um, they've been in search. They've got a new map, and now they're in search of some uh, extra performance. So let's find. Hope they find some treasure. Excellent. Now, PG, you wanted to have a quick chat about the TCR World Tour, I think. Nah. And um, your no, no, it's all too boring. No, well, the TCR TCR World. Yeah, look, TCR looks to be dead on its feet at the moment. Um, yeah. It started off really well. The numbers are not great. Um, and, yeah, look, maybe that's the last shot. If the World Tour comes here and it sucks all of the Australian cars out of the garages and we get a bumper grid, fantastic, but really and, – and the other thing is, you know, there's a whole bunch of things called Lincoln Co's. Like, I mean, I don't even know what a Lincoln Co is. I know there's one already in the series, but – you know what I mean? Like, is that going to follow But you should know about Lincoln Co's. Aren't they selling cars here in Australia now, Paul? No, not yet. No, they're not Not yet. And what a stupid name anyway. Like, I mean, honestly, yeah. Lincoln Co. Just it's, rolls it sounds like a Lincoln car. The Lincoln it? Co. Commodore. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> it's got something to do. The Ford Lincoln Co. <laughs> got something to do with the Chinese. You know they don't know how to. Speak these. Yeah, uh, anyway, I think the um, biggest problem for TCR is being on stand. I mean, you're not going to get people coming out because you're not going to get sponsors. Um, now, we're going to wrap this show up. So uh, the giveaways. Don't um, we do- We've got the Rodney Jane interview. And if you want to hear the sounds of NASCARs on the Thunderdome, you better stay tuned because we chatted while the cars were going around and a bit hard to hear us, but you can hear those NASCARs. Yes. Now we do have a giveaway. We're trying to work out who it actually was at the moment because it was a bit of a bit of a secret thing. But we do have a giveaway, which we'll tell you about. Um, we're going to give away one this week, but we thought we'd try and make it a little bit easier. So what we want you to do is to to like and share our post on today's podcast on whatever social media platform you are, and we'll pick somebody from the list of people who like it and share it around, um, or just share it. Actually, don't like it, just share it around, and um, and we'll pick somebody out of that list. And that's how we're going to grow us. 
so that we can become bigger than those other podcasts who claim they're bigger than us but aren't. Oh, Andrew, it's not about the size of your podcast. Yes, it is. It's always about size. You know that. You know that. It's about the quality, Andrew. No, size it is. Anyway, that's it for this episode. So, uh, Bruce, thanks for your time. Thank you, uh, Andrew, and and thank you, Paul. It's been a pleasure, Bruce. We have a wonderful threesome every Tuesday night. It's just great. Uh, We do. And I've got my cat sitting on the table here, so I've got my pussy here. (laughs) Now, Paul, um, it's actually... Clarification, come on. Andrew, there seemed to be a little bit of confusion. There was, in fact, a uh, phone call initiated, not by me, but to me. Thought that our chat was a little bit borderline and blue, but I need to just say this to your viewers. Paul Gover's cat's name is Puss. What's your other cat's name, uh, Paulie? Ace. So if Ace had gone missing... We would have said, have you found Ace yet? But it was, in fact, so Yes, exactly, the young one. Sorry if there was any confusion. We weren't trying to be smutty. It did sound a bit smutty, but we weren't. But um, what's your cat's name, uh, Andrew? Uh, Cloud. Cloud and Ace. Isn't that lovely? And I lost Cyril. Cyril ran away. Did he? He was named after Cyril Rioli. So, anyway, um, that's it for this show. We're going to um, sit down, listen to Rodney Jane, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Okay, Rodney. So, here we are at Calder, first race meeting back on the circuit since 2008. And we've got NASCARs on the Thunderdome. You must be pretty excited. Uh, yeah, really excited. I think it's um, yeah, it's quite nostalgic. I sort of, yeah, haven't seen NASCAR run here for a long time. I'm watching Kimbo's old car run around and my old Oscar run around and it brings back a lot of memories. It's... um. The work that um, Rowan and his team and yourself have done with with Kim to to breathe life back into this venue, it's pretty amazing really, given that you've had a lot of cynics and a lot of people that said it wouldn't happen, but it's actually it's actually happened. Well, you, you, know, you know motorsport, Bruce, there's, uh, there's always cynics and you know, I think you asked me to say some stuff a while ago and I said I'd prefer to do than say and... Um, you know, I think the reality is I don't don't really care what anyone says. You know, for me, this is a family venue. I grew up out here. Um, you know, it's a long road back. We're, we're right at the very start of what we want to do with it. But it's, um, you know, a lot of competing interests. You know, a lot of a lot of governing bodies wanting to build new racetracks and ignore this one 25 k's from the city. But, you know, like, give it, give it time and, you know, we'll slowly invest back in and build it back up. And, you know, the aim is just to get motorsport back here. I mean, the, the venue looks fantastic. It's, the grass is trimmed, it's green. There's cars out on the road circuit, the first ASA race meeting, um, with over 100 entrants. Um, it's actually, it's real. I mean, the people are excited. There's been a lot of chat on social media about the event, so it's onwards and upwards. You've got another little hurdle to cross, which is the uh, Motorsport Australia track licence. Is that... Yeah, look, it happened quickly. I, th- I think it's on track from what Ryan's told me and, and Dave Stewart. You know, I think we've got a few more little bits to do, but it's, I don't think it's far off. And, uh, you know, that'll get more racing out here. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to see NASCAR run back out here one day. Like, you, you and I grew up out here with, with NASCAR and Oscar. And, uh, you know, my dad it was my dad and my uncle's dream. And, um, you know, I'd love to see it come to fruition again one day. Not, not to the scale it was before, but just something with some racing and... See the see the drags back out here and see the road course running again. I mean, it's a unique it's a unique venue. You've got a super speedway, you've got a drag strip, you've got a, a combination road course. There's nowhere else really. Well, there wouldn't be many places like it in the world, would there? Not really. There's you know I guess there's some similarities with Charlotte Motor Speedway, but I don't think that's real. Well, it's got a sort of inner road course now, but you know and a drag strip but you know we Thunderdome's obviously based on Charlotte Motor Speedway thanks to Humpy Wheeler who used to work there and go bob all the designs but uh, yeah it's quite unique you know we've got what, the three road circuits the oval track and the drag strip so you know we're pretty lucky and proximity to Melbourne we've got you know a decent amount of land so plenty of access plenty of parking and um, you know the aim's just to get it up and running slowly and uh, not so much just sort of watch it progress. Now, you've, you've never been a man that's happy to spend money, so how have you managed to have, make it happen? Well, yeah, I, I, I think Rowan and I have a pretty good alignment. I grew up on a farm with, uh, with a mother that didn't spend a lot of money, and uh, Rowan, Rowan's a lot like my mother in that sense. He sort of, uh, you know, I think our tip truck cost us two and a half grand. Um, 
you know, a flatbed truck cost us about 10 grand. I actually told him to buy the better one out of the two. Um, but, you know, look, I think it's just common sense. You know, we, the venue loses a lot of money. Um, and so everything we do out here is, you know, money out of our, our pocket. And, um, you know, so we, yeah, we do do it on a shoestring. But, you know, we're spending it where it's important. You know, safety to me first. And then after we get the safety bit right, getting the track surface right. So, you know, so the cars can race on it properly. And, yeah, and then slowly just upgrading things that matter, facilities for competitors, toilets, other things like that. So, you know, as we make money at the venue, we'll just plug it back into sort of rebuilding it slowly. And Rowan's really probably the right bloke for it because, like you and I, he spent a lot of time out here. I He's so enthusiastic and you can see that he's still got so much passion for the place. So, you know, you really landed on your size 10s with um, getting him involved, didn't you? Yeah, we were, we were blessed, actually. Um, yeah, I think John, John Reiner, who used to work with, with, with our family and our business, John sort of told me Rowan was possibly looking for some work. And um, anyway, you know, we sort of got together and I've known Rowan since I was a kid out here. And, um, you know, he said he'd love, love to start. So he started and away we've gone. And, you know, he sort of gets uh, gets gets the way I think. And, um, you know, I'm really proud of the work he, Brenton and Ian and all the guys out of Calder have been putting in. And they just keep chipping away. You know, like the runoff at the back straight was supposed to cost us, you know, I think about oh, some tremendous amount of money. And they, you know, I think, you know, he bought a chip truck, as I said before, for about three grand and an excavator and two guys or three guys. And, you know, he did it in three weeks, which would have cost us like a few hundred thousand dollars, I think, when we got quite right. So, yeah, it's that sort of common sense approach. He gets it. Um, you know, as you know, it's very hard to find people that don't just want to spend money at racetracks. It's, uh, you know, fast out the door, often um, not much coming in the door. And, you, and you've got the kids here today too, the four junior Janes? Yeah, I've got the kids here. You know, they, they, well, they come to a lot of work things with me, so they get the joys of coming to uh, franchise tours when we're on holidays, going visiting franchise stores, uh, four by four shows on their school holidays when we're selling tyres and wheels, and uh, now the racetrack, now that it's sort of up and running again. But it's, it's what I did with my dad, you know, you know, you saw me growing up. I went everywhere with my dad. He called it the milk run. You know, he took me everywhere he went, and I had to trundle along, and I sort of wondered what I was doing until I was about 30, and then I realised what he was teaching me. Fantastic. Well done, mate. Thanks. That was the Auto Action Rev Limiter. We'd love you to subscribe and like our podcast and leave some comments. You never know when we're giving something away or we'll use your thoughts to guide the show. And don't forget to get your copy of Auto Action, the digital version. It's out every second Wednesday night. And the print version is available on Thursday, wherever you buy your magazines. Thanks for listening. And thanks for understanding.